Again, I want to welcome all of our Faith Church family here in Florence. Thanks so much for being here for one of our seven worship experiences. We celebrate Christmas. Can we honor and welcome everybody in Lawrenceburg, our Faith Church family there? Man, it's so good to see you guys in the house. And again, all of our guests, if this is your first time with us or if you're just passing through, I know how it is. Sometimes Christmas is a pass-through service. You happen to be visiting family. In order to get the grandma's card with the money in it, you had to pass through church. And so if you got roped into being here or had to come or you wanted to come, whoever you are, wherever you're from, we want to say welcome. Man, our hope is, we said every week that we believe that Jesus is the hope of the world. And so, man, our desire is that you'll have an encounter with a God who radically loves you, who demonstrated in sending his very best, his son Jesus, to do something incredible in your life. So, well, listen, here we are. The question that's posed that Charlie Brown shouted, I just want to shout it out one more time. Is there anyone who can tell me what Christmas is all about? What is Christmas about? I think for me, Christmas holds such a large nostalgia factor, right? When I think about Christmas, I probably like many of you, it's not so much Christmas now, but when I think about the magic and the wonder of Christmas, I go back to my childhood some of the best moments of Christmas was growing up. Um, back in the age, at least when I grew up, there was a time we had real Christmas decorations. Some of my favorite Christmas decorations on trees were the big, gaudy bulbs. Anybody remember the ones, the red, yellow, like the real Christmas? Now they have purple. Who uses purple? I don't mean the, and some of you will say, Pastor, they still make those big bulbs. Those are plastic and they don't count. The bulbs we grew up with, they could catch your Christmas tree on fire and you could be homeless overnight. And that's what Christmas is all about. We miss those. I miss, uh, I miss family gatherings. Again, this nostalgia factor, thinking back as a kid and you would get together with grandparents and aunts and uncles and cousins. And that time has passed, at least in my generation, I've lost all my grandparents and Cousins have scattered and moved away. So for me, going back in my memory, Christmas is nostalgia, good times of family, family gatherings and meals. Growing up in the North, I used to love Christmas break. Whether you're in kindergarten or you're a college student, there is nothing more refreshing than sleeping in 10 days in a row to the crack of noon. Let's go, somebody. Growing up in the north, going out and playing in the snow, making snow forts was the good side, shoveling snow was the downside. But again, all the Christmas season nostalgia. For sure, one of the most significant nostalgic moments as a kid was Santa Claus. This idea that there was this guy who would show up in a red suit, flying a sleigh with magic flying reindeer, and would come to my house if I made the cut. You all know the cut. He's making a list. He's checking it twice. He's going to find out who's. I mean, if you made the cut, he's coming. And how many remember the moments of waking up and going downstairs or going with, and the thought that those packages, they weren't there the night before. He showed up. He came. I can remember the nights going to bed on Christmas Eve, and your parents would try to rush you to bed. My parents would try to get us to go to sleep. In hindsight, they just wanted us to be quiet so they could enjoy the evening. But like, it's like, hey, he's coming. And anybody else remember trying to fight sleep off as hard as you because you wanted to be awake when he showed up? And inevitably, like, you just crashed and burned. You just couldn't do it. And you might have made it if you were a little bit older. You might have made it and you really believed, I hear him. He's down there right now. Like, just the nostalgia. Where I grew up in Northeast Ohio, we didn't have just Santa Claus. Uh, there was a local legend in Northeast Ohio. Every year he would visit Chapel Hill Mall. His name was Archie the Snowman. This is a picture of Archie. Archie was a 30-foot snowman. 
Uh, yeah, I know he's scary, right? It's the sad part of that is I could only find a black and white picture of him, which says so much about how old I am. But as a kid, we would go to the mall. You didn't have, at this time, we didn't have Santa Claus. We would go and kids would line up a couple hundred deep waiting to get in front of Archie the snowman to tell him what we want for Christmas. And I remember when it would finally be your turn, the mall was mobbed with people shopping, lines of kids. And you can see in the picture, you would stand on this little bridge. And so you would inch up and you would get to the bridge. And as you're going, you're so excited. And at the same time, you were incredibly afraid of this giant snowman. And finally, when he would talk, every time he would talk with every syllable, his eyes would flash, which was absolute horror. And so you're there with excitement and, and fear. And he would say, tell me your name. And the microphone is there and your parents is trying to push your head into the mic. Hi, my name is Stephen. Like, there's always that uncomfortable, you don't know how close to get. Well, Stephen, tell me what you would like for Christmas. And in that moment, your mind would go absolutely, you had 471 things circled in Sears catalog and the JCPenney match. Anybody remember those back in the day? I couldn't remember one thing I wanted. I want a hula hoop. And then you'd walk away and you'd think, oh my gosh, Archie's gonna communicate to Santa and I'm, I don't need a hula hoop. Nostalgia. And the funny thing is those moments were so magical and so real. And at some point we all reach an age where we stop pretending at Christmas. Or do we? See, what I wanna talk about for a few minutes is I think that if we're all honest in this room and we're honest in Lawrenceburg and we're honest online, that probably most of us never really stop pretending. We just pretend about other things, right? We pretend that we like all the presents we get. As a kid, you have no filter. And if someone gives you a present you don't like, you make it known. But at some point you reach this age where you just smile and say, thank you. Even though in your mind, you're thinking, what is this? What do I do with it? And obviously you didn't want it because you gave it to me. Let's be honest, if you've already gotten a present this year that you don't like, but you smiled and said, thank you, wave at me. Come on, be on. Y'all lying? We got, I told someone, what is that? What are we gonna do with that? I'm, here's what we're gonna do with it. Someone else getting it next year. That's what we're gonna do with it. It's just, it's just, let's be, it's just, we just pretend about other things. We pretend we like presents we don't like. We're too polite to say anything. We pretend we have money that we don't have. Christmas is the season we find out how little money we really have in the bank. And so we buy presents because we want to make sure our children are provided for, possibly in a way that we weren't provided for. So we make sure they have all that we wish that we had and we outspend our budget and we max out our credit cards. We pretend. It's what the holidays are about. Probably the most hypocritical thing we do in our pretending is we pretend that we are with a bunch of people that we actually like and we don't. I mean, you can be honest. You just married the spouse. You didn't marry the family, but it was, it was a package deal. Come on, how many people go to family? And you don't like all those people, but you have to be with them for like three hours. The only upside of COVID is you didn't have to hug those people you didn't like. You're like, sorry, COVID. And that had nothing to do with COVID. You just didn't like them. But come on, y'all. We just pretend you have to smile and it's so good to see you. It's not, this is a great present. It's not. The challenge is we just don't pretend around Christmas. I think if we're honest, here in Florence and in Lawrenceburg, we pretend the other 51 weeks out of the year. The biggest lie we tell as people is when people ask us, how are we? We say, fine. We're not fine. We just pretend. We put on a smile and we tell everybody we're fine. And the reality is that some of us here 
are hurting, or we're struggling, we're in a season of rebellion, and we know we're just living life on our terms, it's not going so well, we're not fine, our family's falling apart, our kids are off the rail, some of us are struggling with addiction. And so, can anyone tell me what Christmas is all about? For a lot of us, it's playing make-believe and pretend. But what you need to know is that what Christmas is all about, Christmas is that Christ came on a rescue mission to confront the stuff we're pretending about and to offer a solution for our struggle. Good news, you don't have to pretend anymore. Come on, somebody. If life was as good as we all say it is and act it is and face Face, face smiles on our face, Jesus wouldn't have had to come. But the fact that Jesus showed up 2,000 years ago, that God stepped onto this planet as a little baby boy, is proof that we're pretending and that we all have problems and we all face struggles. So we've been having this conversation here at Faith Church for the last couple of weeks. We started a series. If you're new here, you can go back online and watch it. You can go back and check these messages out. The conversation we've been having is this series entitled Putting the C Back in Christmas. What is it putting the C back in Christmas? The C is, for a lot of us, what is Christmas? Christmas is about the celebration. It's about commercialism. It's about choirs. It's about carols on the radio. But that's not really what Christmas is all about. So we've been trying to dig in, and we've been looking at just one section of Scripture, two verses that this guy by the name of Paul, this radical follower of Jesus, it was so impacted by God's love that he went about spreading this message, the gospel, the good news of Jesus everywhere. And this is one of the things he says, and it captures, it doesn't look like a Christmas verse, but it captures the heart of Christmas and what it's all about. Week one, we said this, that when you put the sea back in Christmas, you have to take the context, the backdrop. And the context is this right here. First six verse, six first, six words. Boop, 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 boop. I don't see anybody else up here. <clears throat> Everybody read this with me. But when the right time came, we talked about this week one, this idea that God was working providentially in the background, that God is sovereign even when he doesn't look like it. That there was a reason Jesus came. There was a reason God showed up when he did. Why didn't he come earlier? Why didn't he come later? It's because God was setting the prophetic stage. God was working in empires and God was working in individuals to make the right time. That God was setting our hearts up to show us that we can't fix each other, that we can't fix ourselves. No matter what nation, what tribe, what tongue, what color, we keep trying to get it right and we can't. And God gave us enough time to realize we are broken people that need help and we can't help ourselves. And so at the right time, which means not just for you about Jesus coming, but God has the right time for you. And you might be wondering, where is he, when is he going to show up? When am I going to find my significant other? When is my career going to fire up? Like, when is the next step? What's my destiny? What's my purpose? And what you need to know is that God is sovereign in your life. And I promise you, if you'll trust him, he has a just the right time moment for you. So when the right time came, that was week one. Last week, we talked about this. This is the content of Christmas. Keep reading with me. What are those next four words? God sent his, man, isn't that awesome? Think about God's radical love for you. God didn't send a prophet, and he didn't send a messenger, and he didn't send a teacher. God loved you and I so incredibly much. Lawrenceburg, he loved you so much that he sent the very best. He sent his son, Jesus. It's awesome. The content. All the things that we make Christmas about, why some of those are wonderful, some of them matter in our traditions. That's not what really Christmas is about. Christmas isn't about Mary. It's not about Joseph. It's not about Magi. It's not about shepherds. It's about Jesus, God's son. 
that showed up. So today, for a few minutes, I want to end this series and I want to end this conversation with this big idea, right? We talked about the context and we talked about the content. Like, what is the connection? What is, like, here we are, we are in the year 20, about to be 2022. That's crazy. What does this event that happened 2,000 years ago in the Middle East have to do with us in America in 2022? What's the connection? Well, here's the connection. The verse goes on. Here's what Paul says. One more time. But when the right time came, read it with me, God sent his son, born of a woman, subject to the law. Now, if you're new to the Bible, let me just tell you what this means, that when Jesus came, he was subject to the law. The law that Paul's talking about is the Old Testament law. In the Old Testament, God gave his people, the nation of Israel, his moral law. It's crazy. God gets a bad rap for being this, this, this huge moralist, like he's just so unrealistic. God, how could we ever live to these standards? You're just outrageous. They're known as the Ten Commandments. Let me let you know what God's moral code is. I mean, he's really crazy. He's just, his expectations are so high. Number one, don't kill anybody. Isn't that, I mean, I can't kill anybody my whole life. Have you seen some of the people that drive on these roads in Alabama? Lord, can I get just one? Just one. No, you can't kill anybody. Don't commit adultery. Don't have sex with anybody you're not married to, especially if they're married to somebody else. Doesn't that seem outrageous? If you're going to talk, tell the truth. If you're going to take possession of something, make sure it's yours and not somebody else's. Like, that's the moral law. That's the moral code. And when the Bible says that God sent his son Jesus at the right time, God's son showed up, and he was subject to the law, what God is saying is, I held my son to the same standard I hold you to. And the reason that's important is because, I don't know if you know this, but we're not doing a really good job of keeping the law. Forget the law for a minute. Let's just talk, talk real. Has anybody ever decided they wanted to be better at something? You made commitments you couldn't keep. Anybody here ever wake up and say, I'm going to start working out, and you didn't start working out? I'm going to eat better, and you couldn't eat better. No more carbs, and all you know is you got potato chips in your mouth. Come on, wait. <laughs> Have you ever noticed that we set these goals? We want to be better people. I'm going to quit yelling at my kids, and five minutes later, you're about to beat them. Social services is coming for some of y'all. Get Merry Christmas. They're coming. So here's the funny thing about the human nature is we recognize we're not right. We pretend we're okay. We keep trying to get better, and we can't. I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm to quit doing that. I'm going to stop that behavior. I'm going to start this behavior, and we can't do it. We are broken. And so God sent his son, and God said, Jesus, I'm going to hold you to the same moral standard that I'm holding everybody else to. The good news is every law we broke, Jesus fulfilled. He lived the perfect life we couldn't live and died a sacrificial death that we deserve. And that's what Christmas is about. God sent his son to do for us what we couldn't do for ourselves. And so here's the rest of this verse. It's powerful. Listen to it. This is the Christmas message. This is what it's all about. God sent him, Jesus, his son, 2,000 years ago, a baby born in a manger, to buy freedom for us who are slaves to the law. No matter how, we try, how hard we tried to do it, no matter how hard we try to get it right, so that, watch this, y'all read it with me, Lawrenceburg, every voice, so that he could adopt us as his very own children. God didn't come to make you slaves or to make you subjects or to make you servants. He came to make you sons and to make you daughters. That's what Christmas is about. So powerful. 
And so in this conversation we're having, it's this idea that, again, what is Christmas? Can anyone tell me what Christmas is all about? It's this idea that, again, that Christ came to connect us to the Father. He came to reestablish this broken connection because we're sinners, because we've fallen short. Jesus came to fix what we can't fix and to reestablish what was broken in your relationship with your Creator. If you're taking notes, Jesus came to connect the Father to us. Let me ask you a question. What is God like? When you think of God, when you have this image or this picture, who do you think of? What do you think God is like? If I probably was to have a conversation with 50 of you, we probably would get 50 different interpretations. All of us have this perception of what God is or what God is like. Sometimes we have this idea that God is, he's up there, maybe somewhere, but maybe he fired creation up and he backed off, that God is a disengaged God, that God is a disconnected God, that maybe he's there, but he's nowhere to be found. He's not in the machine anymore. Some of us, like God is there, but he doesn't really care. He's a cold-hearted God. Like, how can he look at this busted world? How can he look at what I'm going through and not do something? God might be there, but he doesn't care. He might be there, but he's disconnected. He's there and he cares, but he can't do anything about it. Like, what is your perception of God? Did you know that one of the reasons Jesus came was to give us a proper assessment and a clear picture of what God was really like? Someone asked him one time, they said this, show us what the Father's like. You know what Jesus said? Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. He says, if you want to know what God is like, look at me. Look at how I came, look at how I love people, and look at what I do. And you'll know what God thinks, how God feels about you, and what God's willing to do for you. I'm a great picture and representation of the Father. Let me tell you why that's important. When the Bible says Jesus came, Matthew 1 says this, that he would be called Emmanuel, which means what? God Y'all got to say it like it means something. God with us. That means God came. When we couldn't go to where God is, God came where we are. God stepped through time and God stepped through space to get to planet Earth, born in the city of Bethlehem. He came to this place on a rescue mission for us. And he didn't come for the best of us. He came for all of us. That includes the worst of us. When Jesus showed up, he didn't hang out with the religious elite. Jesus hung out with the worst. He hung out with the tax collectors and the prostitutes. Jesus hung out with the worst, which means no matter who you are, where you've been, what you've done, how far you've fallen, how bad you've messed up, God showed up for you too. Come on. And so if your perception of God is God doesn't care about me, God cared so much about you, he came for you, and he came right to where you're at. Come on, our picture of of the nativity, anybody here have a nativity scene in your house, in your yard, in your neighbor's yard that might blow into your yard? Just, Just fact, this is the law. If it blows into your yard, it's yours. It's a fact. Some of y'all got some trampolines last week. Did you know, listen, our mindset of the nativity scene is so, it's so unrealistic. We sing the song, oh, holy night. You know, like the somber, holy stars sparkling in a crystal clear sky. That wasn't it. Have you ever been in a place where a baby's born? I'm just telling you, there were no epidurals. There was no medication. Mary was freaking out. Baby Jesus was a baby, which means a baby came out freaking out, and Joseph was absolutely freaking out. That place, it was a bloody, painful, crying mess, which is a clear picture of the true reality that we live in. Jesus didn't step into a plastic earth that we have to pretend about. Jesus stepped into the mess and the pain and the blood and the sweat and the tears of reality. That's who Jesus came to, is all of us, 
all the stuff we're pretending about, Jesus says, I know the truth, and that's why I came. He came to reconnect the Father to us. He didn't just come to reconnect the Father to us. He came to reconnect us to the Father. Let me tell you why that's important. Because who would have thought that this incredibly beautiful baby born in Bethlehem, born to a virgin, who is sought by shepherds, heralded by angels, and worshiped by kings, would end his life on a cross? Like nobody saw that coming, but Jesus. Did you know Jesus always knew? He knew his mission was ultimately to come and not just give a picture of the Father, not just to be a great teacher, not just to talk about the kingdom of heaven, but Jesus knew his final destination was always the cross because he always came to pay the price for our sin. Because as much as God radically loves you, he radically hates sin at the same time. And so Jesus came to pay the price for our sin so we could experience the love of the Father. He said, all the mess that's in the middle, I'm going to get out of the way. And that's what Christmas is about. And so if you're here and the season that's coming and the presents you're going to exchange and the places you're going to go and the family you're going to visit and all the stuff that you're going to do, I just want to remind you that in the midst of all of it, you have hope. And it came in the form, again, of God's son, Jesus, showing up, God with us, God where we are, God with what we're going through, real pain, real heartache, real grief, real struggle, no matter who you are, what you're going through, I'm just telling you, God cares about you, he came for you, he sent his best to get you, and he did everything necessary for you to be with him. All of it's done, it's finished. So I wanna give you just two questions to think about, not just for the holiday season, but through life. I would encourage you maybe to write these questions down or just make a mental note. And these two questions, right? Questions are important. Questions get people thinking. If you're not good with people, if you're not good in crowds, be a great question asker. If you sit at a table and it makes you feel, just ask, hey, tell me about your kids. And they will do the rest of the talking. You don't have to say anything else. And they'll walk away and say, wow, he was really interesting. Well, no, you just showed you cared. So questions are really powerful. There are questions found throughout scripture. What I want to do for our last few minutes together is I want you to look at just two questions that are found. One is the very first question that's found in the Old Testament, and one is the very first question found in the New Testament. And both of these questions together will help you to navigate the challenges of life. The first question, here it is right here. I want us to say it together. It's found in Genesis chapter 3, verse 9. One, two, three. Let's say it. One, two, three. Where are you? Come on, let's say it again. One, two, three. Ask a person next to you, where are you? Come on, ask them. Help me. Where are you? Let me give you the context of this question. Lawrenceburg, this question was asked by God to Adam and Eve. God had made a perfect paradise, and he had said, Adam and Eve, they were in a perfect relationship with each other. They were in a perfect relationship with their father. And God made one rule. He had one boundary. He had one out of bounds. And Adam decided to stiff arm the Savior. He decided to commit cosmic treason against his creator and do life his own way. And he sinned. He disobeyed God. He broke the law. And then... Shame came and guilt came like it does for all of us. And Adam went to try to hide from God. And here comes God and God shows up and he asks the question, what's the question? One, two, three, where are you? Let me tell you something about God. God knows everything. The term for it is he's omniscient. He knows everything. He knows everything you've ever thought, said, done. Yikes, right? But he knows. And so he shows up and here's Adam trying to hide from his creator. And he shows him, he says, Adam, where are you? Now, because God knows everything, this is not, God's not looking for information. This is a rhetorical question. What God is trying to do when he asks Adam this question is he's trying to get Adam to reach this place of self-inflection, like, hey, Adam, where are you at? 
do you realize we're separated? Do you realize you're not in a good place? Are you honest enough to admit that, that, you're, that you're feeling some stuff and experiencing some things and going through some things that you don't need to? Hey, Adam, where are you really? Do you know where you're at? Again, it's this idea of kind of like, hey, I know where you're at. Do you realize where you're at? In our home, we, uh, we share it. We, I, I, I pay the bills for our phones. So FYI, for all you parents, you know, when your kids say, that's my phone, no, you don't have a phone. If you bought the phone and you pay the plan, that's your phone. You're just letting them use one of your phones. Come on, y'all with me? Merry Christmas. That's some free advice, free parenting advice, which means when you want the phone back, that's your phone. You ain't got to ask for it. You want to look through your phone? That's your phone. I'm trying to help you. Merry Christmas. So one of the things we do in our family is we share our location with each other. It just creates safety. It creates accountability. So all of us can look on the app at any time and find out where the other, I'm 50 years old and my 17-year-old son at any day, at any time, can, he can know where I'm at. And I'm good with that, but I get to know where he's at. And so it creates accountability, et cetera. But the good thing is if one of us are running late, we can just open up the app and find out where somebody's at. And so if my wife specifically, if like she says, hey, I'm going to be home in about a half hour and she's not home, like, I'll jump on the app, and I'm not, like, I'm not tracking her. She's not underneath my care. Like, some of you are like, oh, my gosh, that must be awful living with them. I'm just concerned for my wife. But if she's late, normally I know where I'm going to find her. Y'all know where I'm going to find Target, James and all. Like, I'm going to find her shopping is where I'm going to find her, which means when I know where she's at, I'll call her. And come on, what's the question one more time? One, two, three. That's what I ask her. Now, here's when I ask that question. I know where she's at, and she knows where she's at. I'm not asking her location. I'm saying, are you, are you spending more money? That's really, the, it's, this, it's this question of self-evaluation. So question number one, first question in the Old Testament, one more time, where are you? Here's the second question I want us to look at. It's the first question that's recorded in the New Testament. It's this right here. Let's say it together. Where is the newborn king from the Jews? See, this group of guys, they were called magi, they were kings, they were people of importance, they had this prophetic significance, they had this background, they were people of prominence. We don't really know everything there is to know about them other than they were people of importance, but no matter what level of importance they reached, when Jesus was born, they wanted to show up and get on a knee and worship him. And so when they heard he was born and they followed his stars to the place that he was, when they got close enough, they asked the question, hey, where is Jesus? That's the second question. Where's Jesus? And I just want to give you the answer to the second question. Then we're going to come back to the first question. Jesus himself gave us the answer. God gave us the answer of this question. Where is Jesus? 2,000 years ago, again, when he was born, his name was called Emmanuel, which means what? God with us. Where's Jesus? He's with you. So two questions. Where are you? Where's Jesus? Two questions right here. You can carry the rest of your life, but I just want to ask today, where are you? Where's Jesus? Let me ask you a question, Faith Church. Where are you? I know you're in a building. I'm looking at you. I know you're online. We see the ticker, all the people logging on. My question is, where are you at for real? I mean, right now in life, are you in a good place? If you are, man, that's great. Give it time. But probably a lot of us in this room are in a bad place. We're in a bad place mentally, emotionally. We're not in a good place spiritually. Our relationships are in a bad place. And you just got to own it. Stop pretending that everything is okay. It's okay to say you're not okay. So let me just ask the question, where are you? Some of you are not in a good place. And once you own that first question, then you can go to the second question. But where is Jesus? 
And I want you to know that he is right with you, right where you are. He came 2,000 years ago to invade your life, to be your grace, to be your strength, to be your hope, and to be your Savior, which means if he's where you are, he can get you where you need to be. But until you own what you've been pretending about and say, I need help. Can anyone tell me what Christmas is all about? Jesus showed up to meet you where you really are and be the hope you really need. Where are you? And where is Jesus? He's Emmanuel. He's God with us. Y'all pray with me. Father, God, I pray that in the busyness of the season and all the things we're going to do, Lord, help us not to miss the moment to be self-reflective, to be honest with our brokenness, to be real about our struggles, to be open about our addictions, our heartache, our grief, or whatever it is we're going through. Lord, I pray, God, lost people need to know they're lost and lost people need to know how to be found. And so Lord, where are we? Some of us are lost. We're lost in a bad place. We're lost in a difficult relationship. But Lord, we need, we need to know how to be found and that's in the second question. Where are you, Jesus? You're right here with us. I pray every person who's hearing this, I pray God would be overwhelmed with the sense of peace to know that Jesus is with you. If you're hearing this and you've never opened up your heart, maybe you've never asked God for help. Maybe you've been one of the people playing pretend that everything's okay. And if you'll just open up your heart, if you'll be humble enough to ask him to meet you, I promise you he will because he said he will. Bible says we're all sinners. The Bible says we've all missed the moral mark. We've all broken the law. That means we're all disconnected, but Jesus came to reconnect us, but you have to ask it. And so I'm going to lead us in a simple prayer. And if you say, Pastor Steve, man, I, I want to find the Jesus you're talking about. I want to experience the connection you say you can have. I want to call out to this Jesus you've been talking about. All you have to do is say, God, will you help me? I promise you he will. And so I'm going to lead in a simple prayer. And if you want to include it in this prayer, if today in all of our locations, if you want to say, man, I want to give my life to Jesus. If you have fallen away, man, you're not serving God the way you know you should, or you've never been following Jesus, but today's your day. We just do me a favor. If you want to include it in this prayer, we just lift a hand real high and say, Pastor Steve, will you pray for me? Man, today I want to give my life to Jesus. I want to experience the God you've been talking about. Lots of hands. You can pray this simple prayer. Say, Jesus, I believe that you're the savior of the world, that you came on a rescue mission for all of humanity, including me. I pray that you'll take my pain, my shame, my guilt, and my sin. You'll forgive me, and you'll give me the strength to follow you for the rest of my life. In Jesus' name. Everybody who agreed said amen.